it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, would you look who came back to work on a big Monday, Jimmy. Jimmy, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up on a Monday uh, to try to get things under control in this country. I had what I thought was an uneventful weekend, uh, but it turns out I was bailing out a bank out in California, and so were you. Uh, Joe Biden would have you to believe this had nothing to do with taxpayer money. You were lying your ass off. But we will explain exactly why it did on a busy, busy Monday. That'll include a flyby from the great Dana Perino. <laughs> People definitely excited about that. And uh, Wesley Hunt. Wesley Hunt will be here as well. He is, of course, the self-proclaimed best-dressed man in Congress. Not even close, said Byron Donalds. Uh, 888-788-9910. The rule on this show is the same every damn day. We don't care how you vote. We don't know what you believe. We're not here to change the way you look at the world. I am a talk show host. I am not an activist, so you can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. You can be a Libertarian. You can be anything you want to be. All we ask is that you don't be a That is all. Happy Monday uh, and a busy Monday for myself. I was on America's Newsroom this morning. Uh, We will post that clip on the Fox Across America Facebook page as well as the website. Uh, And uh, I will also tonight – this is a big step up in class, but your radio buddy will once again be filling in for the highest-rated late-night show in America. I am guest hosting for Greg Gutfeld. Oh, girl. It's going to be a banger. It is myself, Molly Hemingway, on the bill as well. Cat Timph will be there. And something that makes me happier than anything I get to do in media. Allie Breen, who has never been on Gutfeld before. She's a phenomenal stand-up comic. Uh, Allie Breen will be making her debut on the Gutfeld show because uh, I was able to get her on the program, which is a huge win. Like, uh, you know, for me, the coolest thing about having any type of media reach whatsoever is being able to use it to help other people. Like when I was driving a cab and I was getting cut off and shot at all day, I was listening to shows that were elevating comedians. At the time, Don Imus uh, had a pretty happening show. I ran into a little trouble talking about the Rutgers women's basketball team. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but the point is the comics on the show were doing well. They were getting a lot of exposure. Obviously, Opie and Anthony had a, a massive run, and all of those comics you know, popped off of that platform and toured and built fan bases, and it was great. And even, of course, Howard Stern, back when he was the king of all media, you know, of course, now he's, you know, he whines so much. He's more like the Prince Harry of all media. What an idiot. But any day I get to expose the country to someone who's like profoundly talented is like a really winning day for me. So if you wanted to know, yes, I'm really excited to watch Gutfeld, but I think I'm even more excited to promote another comic because that's just how I am wired. And again, it's because I'm new. I haven't been in media a long time. The show is barely three years old. I'm one of those people who actually cares. You know, I'm sure I could be two or three comics. Contracts away from just a monster. <laughs> Get away from me. I don't care. But I don't see it headed that way. I'm like a regular guy. And the point is, anytime I can give somebody a, a you know, little bump, 
uh, and anytime I get a chance to represent our show on a large stage such as Gutfeld, I do consider it a huge win for the American people. Uh, if you want to know the truth, I think me getting on Gutfeld is a win for the whole country. I figured there'd be some tough love in the control room, but there's more tough love to be given out for the current president of the United States of America. My goodness gracious. Biden sucks. So here's where we start. And I don't know that you knew that you spent the weekend bailing out a bank. But Biden spoke a short while ago about the potential collapse of SVB. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And essentially, the reason we're in the position we are with a bank collapsing is, yes, there's been a lot of talk about how their board of directors was run by woke people. Everything woke turns to Maybe so. But the reality is it's very fundamental, basic reality. I'm not going to bore you to death with banking policy because my job is to be radio smelling salts. I've got to keep a lot of OTR truckers awake while they run their routes, you know, drop off the goods in between visits to go see the lot lizards. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But the point is I'm here for you, OTR fellas and gals and everything in between, and certainly the lot lizards, but stick with me. Okay. This bank wound up on the verge of default mainly because, and this would go through any financial analyst, um, interest rates have gotten so high under this president that it is triggering. We are at the precipice of a massive wave of loan defaults. That can't be good. Okay, what were these interest rates caused by? Inflation. What was inflation caused by? The runaway spending of this president. I agree with that. So understand what Joe Biden did. Okay, and this goes for the Inflation Reduction Act, which, oh, by the way, doesn't reduce inflation. What a fraud. The Inflation Reduction Act, as you know, I've been saying it all year long, is a climate bill. In fact, they praise it as a climate bill. Oh, it's the world's biggest climate bill ever. Well, if climate is so important, how come you had to pass the bill under a different name? I think he's got a point. Yeah, and the point is they hustled us. They hustled us to get money for their climate agenda because we weren't going to support it ourselves. And the way they got over on us, or at least the people who voted for it without significant blowback from their constituents, is they titled it something we cared about. Hey, we want to pass climate. No one gives a rat's ass. I've got it. We'll call it inflation reduction. That's just how white folks will do it. And that's how they did us. But understand, okay, the runaway spending of the Biden administration, just so we're all on the same page. Okay, this is a government that has borrowed trillions of dollars. It has driven up interest rates to the moon. Higher interest rates make it higher to keep up with your mortgage. Do you understand the house I'm living in? I could not be living in. If I had to buy it at the mortgage rate that is currently on the market today, my mortgage rate is like below 3% when I bought that home, okay? Right now, you're paying in the mid-sixes in some instances, okay? People are paying above the sevens. Biden is such a disaster. Totally. So you understand you've got all of these loans on the verge of default. You've got banks on the verge of default. You've got banks that have uninsured deposits. So what Biden's about to speak on today, I'm going to play you his clips, okay? So he said, oh, you know, you guys don't have to worry about it. The taxpayer, not taxpayer's not going to handle any of this. You're not telling me the truth. Not handling any of it. Okay, here's the deal. 
Okay, yes, some of these deposits are FDIC insured, and there is a fund out there that has about $120 million in it. Okay, but do you want to know something? The amount of outstanding liabilities in the banks they're bailing out right now are owed a lot more money than the $120 million we've set aside. So what does that mean? That means they're going to have to create another fund similar to some of the PPP bailouts where we saw all kinds of borrowing fraud and everything in between, and they're ultimately going to have to make somebody pay for it. And by somebody, they always mean you. Thanks, big government weenuses. But here is Biden lying through his face, and that wasn't enough. He'll even find time to blame Donald Trump, of all people, along the way. Oh, Lordy Lord, he's desperate. Here he is, clip 25. Treasury Secretary Yellen and a team of banking regulators have taken action, immediate action. And here are the highlights. First, all customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured, I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills and stay open for business. No losses will be, and I'm on, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions of that, because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. You're a bald-faced liar. A liar. No, and this is none will be borne by the taxpayers. It's the fees from the interest in it. Shut up! Will you shut up? Okay, so essentially what they're ultimately going to do is we're going to create a fund that pays this stuff back. It's not going to come from you because, you know, we're going to take it from you. Then we're going to put it into this fund. Then we're going to give it to them. So technically speaking, it's not going to come from you. Come on, don't bullshit me. But this is where you know they're scams. So you just got to get this, man. Okay? I'm not a banking expert. I'm not a political expert. I don't know anything. Okay? I drove a cab. Most of what I give you on the radio, most of what I give you on TV is just basic horse sense. You know, you pick up 40, 50 people a day. You got some guy talking to himself in the back seat. You know, he's arguing with a parking meter before he gets in. Now he's just randomly laughing for no reason like he's the vice president of the United States. Kamala's <laughs> awful with her weird laugh. <laughs> but you become a decent judge of character. You become a decent judge of human nature. You develop a horse sense when you deal with the public on the intimate level that I have for as long as I did. And I can tell you when a guy like Biden, who is a career politician, gets out there and lies about one thing, lies about one thing, that means he's lying about everything else. That is correct. And what I mean by this is he starts out with, well, you know, don't worry, you guys aren't going to have to pay for it. That's a lie. Okay, you know what the next lie is? He tries saying with a straight face, he tries saying with a straight face, ah, this is Trump's fault is what it is. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Again, I can't play that drop enough under this president. Here it is, clip 27. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. 
I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again. You can't just make up lies about people. Well, you can just make up lies about people if you happen to be Joe Biden. Oh, <laughs> my mistake. Okay, understand this. Okay, Joe Biden is like a weapons-grade liar, just a shameless clown. These banks did not find themselves on the precipice of full-blown defaults, full-blown collapses, full-blown bank runs from their customers because there wasn't an extra regulator going out for a three-martini lunch last week. They wound up in this position, no, not from a lack of, not from a lack of regulation, but from a lack of fiscal responsibility in our nation's capital. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Guys, here it is. You can tell me Trump eased some regulations. You probably can't get into the specifics of what, how it would affect this because there aren't any. It's like when they tried blaming the East Palestine train derailment on Trump. They're like, well, Trump, you know, he did put in place some deregulation when it came to train. Oh, okay. Well, did any of them cause the crash? The answer would be no. No. As it turns out, the National Transportation and Safety Board flat out said, no, this had nothing to do with regulation. This was human error by the people on the train. Oh, wow. But again, Biden didn't tell that lie that day. Pete Buttigieg didn't tell that lie that day. Because they were interested in an honest conversation and they weren't concerned about there being some type of a clarification that would ultimately like make them look bad. All these guys are trying to do is win today's news cycle. We're now governing in 24-hour increments. We want to be the ones who look good on Twitter. We want to be the ones who look like we have the more righteous argument. We want to give our base something to rally around and you can always pour a little Trump on it. Do you remember the old Chris Rock bit about Robitussin? Pull a little tussin on it. Got a headache? Get a little tussin. A bellyache? Go get a little tussin. You know, that's the Democrats. Pull a little Trump on it. Got a train derailment? Get a little Trump. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Got a bank collapse? Go pour a little Trump on it. That's what they do. They pour a little Trump on it. And they don't care that the facts won't bore them out. They just want to win the news cycle. But here it is really quick, and we'll go. Okay, these banks are on the verge of default. I'll say it again for the people in the back because folks can't keep up with the high interest rates on their loans. And do you understand this is also coming at a time where the runaway spending in Washington has driven up the interest rates on the loans, meaning it is more likely, as we have over a trillion dollars in personal debt outstanding in this country, as we have more than a trillion dollars in mortgage debt outstanding in this country, it is more likely that things are going to get worse when it comes to defaults before they get better. Never mind that this is a Washington you know, establishment that's now selling the ideas that you shouldn't even have to pay the loans you take out. What are you, a student? You took out a degree that you didn't wind up wanting to work in that field there. We'll give you 10 grand. The taxpayer will give you 20 grand. Don't worry about it. Okay. That's what they're doing. Okay. When you tell the banks they're not responsible for their mess, you tell the students they're not responsible for their mess. Okay. That's not fiscally sustainable which means somebody is ultimately going to become responsible for that mess. And that somebody is always going to be you. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. 
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And that's probably the biggest problem. We're talking off the air about the Oscars, uh, something we will undoubtedly get to tonight when I'm hosting Gutfeld on the Fox News channel. But one of the things we were talking about is the power of celebrity is really diminished and that you have so much more access to these celebrities. They used to be people that were like, get the hell away from me, but come see my movie. Get the hell away from me, but watch the Oscars. But now we live in a world where every celebrity is running a one-man news network. Hey, it's my dog's birthday. Here I am in a heavily filtered picture doing yoga. You know, here's the picture of my French fries. And because we've kind of burnt out the power of celebrity, I don't think anybody cares. I mean, I honestly, I think my career is kind of snowballing in a good direction right now because of just how much of a celebrity I, I am not. Like people meet me and think I'm like beneath them. You know, you meet, the, you know, Hollywood celebrity often. You're like, oh, my God, I love your work. You meet me. You're like, Jimmy Fallon, you got change of a 20. <laughs> yo, yo, bro, it's trying to move my car. Can you stand in the back and wave me and tell me if I'm getting too close to the car? Just a regular guy. OK, that's my superpower. Uh, sadly, there is no one in Washington with any superpower. Here's Janet Yellen with a straight face. She's your Treasury secretary saying, oh, no, we're not bailing out banks. Here it is. Clip five. Let me be clear that um, during the financial crisis, um, there were um, investors um, and owners of systemic large banks that were bailed out. And we're certainly not looking. And uh, the reforms that have been put in place means that we're not going to do that again. But we are concerned about depositors and are focused on uh, trying to meet their needs. Oh, shut up, woman. Okay, now understand. Janet Yellen, that's the same Treasury Secretary, who told you what? Oh, inflation. Inflation's just going to be transitory. It'll only be here a few weeks. You don't have a clue. Remember that? Then she was like, ah, oh, inflation, fine. Okay, it'll be here a few months, but then it'll be gone. That is a lie. And then what did she ultimately do? I'm going to owe Judge Jeanine royalties by the end of this one. <laughs> she ultimately was like, fine, inflation's going to be here for a while, but it's all Trump's fault. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. And that's what we're getting now, as they tell you, nah, don't worry, it's not a bailout. Because, you know, we're not technically just taking the money and giving. This is like the movie Major League. Guy hits a home run and they start debating it was too high. What do you mean it was too high? Well, you know, the trajectory of the ball, I'm saying the rotation, and finally somebody jumps in and goes, hey, who gives a It's gone. And that's exactly where your tax dollars went. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 
reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. There it is. Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. I was saying earlier that this administration really does treat the ex-president, Donald Trump, like the old Chris Rock bit about Robitussin. Chris Rock does his great bit. I think it's on Bigger and Blacker, where he's talking about how, like, Robitussin is the be-all, end-all. You know, if you're growing up poor, it's just no matter what goes wrong in your life, you just pull a little tussin on it. You know what I'm saying? You got shot in the arm, go get a little tussin, you know? And that's the Democrats, no matter what the crisis is. They pour a little Trump on it. We got inflation, pull a little Trump on it, you know? Border problem, pull a little Trump on it. Here we are, Corrine Jean-Pierre, trying, trying to get the words out A Kamala-esque word salad I'm about to give to you. This next quote is keto. All the way, it's keto. Uh, This is KJP trying to explain Biden's border policy. Uh, Clip 18. What we are going to promise is that we're going to do this. We're going to move forward with a with a uh, with this kind of system, this immigration system that has been gutted, really, truly gutted by the last administration. We're going to move forward and do it in a humane way. We're going to do it in a safe way. uh, And we're going to do it in the way that moves us forward. And so what we have been seeing, what we've been dealing with, again, is trying to fix the damage that the last administration do did. What we have done is we've we've opened the path uh, to uh, we've opened the path to, to make sure that people have a way to um, to get you know to come through and do it in a legal pathway. What we've got here is failure to communicate. <laughs> Seriously, Corinne Jean Pierre, do you speak any English? So what we're going to do is we're going to move forward with the path that we're going in, which is forward, and it'll lead to more humane path because it's safer and we'll go forward. And as we see, the path is a forward-looking path, and that straightens things out. You're an idiot! Yo, this person is speaking on behalf of the White House. This is embarrassing. And un- again... Her lack of a conversational grasp around this issue, I get. Politics are challenging. The border is a hot-button issue. We have pound for pound the worst border policy right now in the history of the United States of America. Tell them like it is. Okay, but when they try to pour a little Trump on it, okay, I get the political desperation. I get the shamelessness of it all because this is politics 101. When you elect a status quo politician, someone who has been in Washington since Washington, we're going to go back to getting a lot of this ridiculousness. Just so you understand, I don't run the Donald Trump radio defense fund. And I talk to you not as like, you know, some you know political surrogate for one party. I don't care. I have a wife and a kid, man. I just want the country to do well so we could do well. Um, I don't listen. It wouldn't matter to me who the president, if Marianne Williamson, who's completely cuckoo, I mean, nuts, if she was the president and she was saving the world with her healing crystals and lighting a scented candle, I'm all in. I'll be at Bath and Body Works if you need me. Okay, I don't care. I just want the country to thrive. I grew up caring about this country. I'm one of those people. So I don't put the quest for political power ahead of the well-being of the rest of the country. Sadly, everybody who voted Democrat did. Donald Trump is an exponentially better president than Joe Biden could ever be if for no other reason than because he was putting our country first. He was putting the safety of our citizens first. Yeah, we didn't like his tweets. Yeah, he went after reporters. But let me ask you a question. Okay, inflation is seven points higher under Biden. 
Do you think there's a single solitary person who would not sign up for a few extra tweets at the cast of Saturday Night Live so they didn't have to turn tricks behind the grocery store to pay for a carton of eggs? I mean, come on. Look at the interest rates on mortgages. They've over doubled. And we're dealing with banks that are now on the verge of defaulting under this president. These folks don't know what they're doing. But we got so absorbed in our hatred of Trump, on the left anyway, that it was more important to get rid of the bad man and bring in people who have no business running this country. Joe Biden has no, running, Joe Biden has no business running this country. Understand, Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president for eight years. And Barack Obama thought so much of him at the end of the eight years, he told Biden to step aside and let Hillary run. That's how much he thought of him. Don't ever forget, when 2016 came around, Biden was like, hey, Barack, yeah, that was a good run we had. Should I run for president? The answer would be no. And he moved him to the side. It's like, no, it's Hillary's turn and got her out of there. That's what he did. Okay, and understand, this time around, there were 22 candidates in the race. And Joe Biden did not get an endorsement from Barack Obama till every single person was out of the race. Correct the mundo. Everybody was gone. Yeah, Joe's my guy. Huh. Didn't seem like you were in a rush to declare that. But the point is, Joe Biden is an idiot. He is known in Washington as an idiot. If you go back and watch Comic Relief in 1987, Robin Williams is on stage talking about how the dumbest man in politics is Joe Biden. A three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S, jobs. Do you understand? That's who's running the country. The guy who said a three-letter word was jobs, J-O-B. Yes. Wrong. <laughs> That's four letters, Joe. Do you understand? Corrine Jean-Pierre, a diversity hire. Okay, Pete Buttigieg, the people that don't know what they're doing. And when they start to tell you things like, well, we've got this border policy that's all word salad. Understand, specific debate, specific debate is hell on earth for Democrats because they can't point to anything of substance that are improving, but especially when it comes to the border. That's why they're going to pull a little more Trump on it. Listen to this clip one more time, and then I'll give you the specifics as to what she's trying to say versus the contrast of where we are and where we were. This is clip 18. What we are going to promise is that we're going to do this. We're going to move forward with a with a uh, with this kind of system, this immigration system that has been gutted, really, truly gutted by the last administration. We're going to move forward and do it in a humane way. We're going to do it in a safe way. Uh, and we're going to do it in the way that moves us forward. And so what we have been seeing, what we've been dealing with, again, is trying to fix the damage that the last administration do, did. What we have done is we've we've opened the path uh, to uh, we've opened the path to, to make sure that people have a way to um, to get you know to come through and do it in a legal pathway. What would you do with a brain if you had one? That's a very fair question to ask her, because you got to understand when you try to draw a contrast between this administration and the last one. Let's just have an honest conversation about it. The last administration cut illegal border crossings by 80 percent. Let's just talk stats. This administration has presided over more illegal border crossings than any administration in the history of our country. So can you say that the last administration was the problem? The answer would be no. She's trying to lay the claim, well, things were getting bad under Trump, and then, of course, they exploded when we got in. And she says that as if there were no substantive changes to our border policy between these two presidencies. Okay, understand Joe Biden's first day in office. 
because they ran on identity politics and we should be building bridges and not walls that Joe Biden got into office and ended our remain in Mexico policy. Why was remain in Mexico such a detriment to our overall well-being at the border? Because remain in Mexico meant if you came to our border illegally or searching for asylum, once we apprehended you at the border, you remained in Mexico till your case was heard. If it took a year, if it took two years, if it took three years, the point was you were not guaranteed safe passage into this country just because you managed to make it to our border. You were only going to be let into our country if you could truly believe that you belonged here. Okay, now people are coming to our border and we're just flat out letting them in. That's stupid. Use your common sense. And we're doing it what? In the name of compassion. No, we're good people. These are sanctuary cities, you see. No humans illegal. You know, until they show up to one of those sanctuary cities, at which point the Democrats are like, get them out of here. Get them out. Martha's Vineyard, one of the wealthiest zip codes in all of America. Okay. They can house a few million people during the summer season. Ron DeSantis sent them 50 migrants. And they're like, oh, we don't have the infrastructure. We can't handle this. We're overwhelmed. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. And that's the scam. Okay, what Democrats did in the name of compassion wasn't compassionate to anybody, not the United States of America and certainly not the migrants. Because by offering these people, okay, by sending the message to people who genuinely want to flee real oppression, not the pretend America oppression, where it's uh, it's it's. Women's Day, and we don't have any biological men on the candy bars. They're they're oppressed. Let's get them a candy bar. That's what we're doing in this country. That's what we pretend is oppression. It's absurd. But stick with me. People fleeing real food insecurity, real cartel violence, real corrupt you know politicians and everything in between that you're probably going to find here if you wind up in a blue city. But the point is they're coming here seeking a better life. And so they're willing to subject themselves to a perilous journey where 30% of the women are sexually assaulted by drug cartels, where over half of the men are violently assaulted by drug cartels, where anybody who doesn't pay a bounty to a drug cartel ultimately has a real problem on their hands when they make it into this country. Do you understand? We have incentivized a humanitarian crisis. And as we have this conversation, a group of at least 1,000 migrants attempted to gain entry into the U.S. yesterday in El Paso. And what did that video show you? Okay, they're down at the Paso del Norte Bridge. It's the one that links Mexico to the U.S. in El Paso. Okay, Border Patrol agents get completely overwhelmed. They're trying to use crowd control measures, prevent them from stampeding in. Okay, but understand, why are they making these moves? Because we have turned America into the bar that doesn't check ID. Okay, everybody remembers growing up in college, there was one bar you could get into if you were 19. And you didn't have to go through the rigors of, you know, having a legit fake ID. And you didn't have to worry about not getting in if you showed up and getting embarrassed in front of your friends. No, you just got down. Okay. And that bar would ultimately be really, 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 really crowded because all the people who shouldn't be in a bar were. And that bar would do a fine business until at some point the cops would show up. The authorities would be forced to step in. You know, one too many kids threw up on the sidewalk because they didn't know how to drink. One too many fistfights spilled over into a neighboring business, and they called the cops. People eventually became hip to what was going on, and the authorities were forced to shut it down. Okay, that's where we are with our border. 
we have been derelict in our duty to enforce our border laws. We have incentivized people taking this perilous journey. We did so in the name of scoring political points. Well, Trump wants to secure the border. That must be racist. So never mind that both parties have voted for border wall funding in the past. They did it under Bush. They did it under Obama. But we'll pretend that never happened and just call it racist. That's why we're in the position we're in. We have idiots running the country. And it's more important to virtue signal about fake compassion. But their compassion is getting people killed. Their compassion has led to a record level of fentanyl overdoses in this country. Is it compassionate to let a few hundred thousand Americans die because of a substance pouring into our country that has no business being here, but we're more susceptible to it because of this administration? No. Okay, Joe Biden is failing this country. Karine Jean-Pierre is failing this country. And when they get out there and they ramble on about the situation they inherited, the situation they inherited had illegal border crossings 80 percent lower, which means if they really cared, they'd stop talking about the old administration's policies and they'd start putting them back into place. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, coming to you live from the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It's where we do the damn thing. And coming up, we've got not only Wesley Hunt, but Dana Perino, the belle of the cable news ball, is going to be stopping by to class this place up. She'll give me some hosting tips. I'm filling in for Greg Gutfeld tonight at 11 o'clock on the Fox News channel. Uh, I plug it relentlessly because, let's face it, when you got my talent, you need all the viewers you can get. But Dana, a veteran host of the show, will be stopping by to give me some pointers, talk about her new podcast, the Everything is Going to Be All Right podcast. As far as this administration is concerned, everything is not going to be all right. Joe Biden deserves to be driven from office and disgraced. Does he ever? And uh, I got to tell you, I don't know who's going down quicker. Them or the Oscars. Did you watch the Oscars last night? I don't know that you stayed awake if you tried. Uh, here was my man Jimmy Kimmel, who was a jackass on wheels, trying to take a shot at Tucker Carlson uh, over the Capitol. I just found this so ridiculous. It's clip 22. Anyone who's ever received a text message from their father knows how important editing is. Editors do amazing things. Editors can turn 44,000 hours of violent insurrection footage into a respectful sightseeing tour of the Capitol. That was absolutely dreadful. And why is it so dreadful and embarrassing? This is where I'm telling you, late night comedians are failing the country because they're using activism in the way of actual comedy. So what is the hook? In order to make that joke work, he has to take the activist position 
that Tucker Carlson said the Capitol was peaceful. Not even close! Tucker Carlson went on TV and said, the Capitol, it's bad. The Capitol, it's unprecedented. That being said, the Democrats and the media are telling some really big lies about what's going on at the Capitol. Bingo. That was Tucker's position. He didn't say it was fine. He didn't say, you know, we should celebrate it every year in Hawaiian shirts and make a three-day weekend out of it. He said, they lied to you. The attorney general said five cops died that day at the Capitol. No cop died that day. Now, to be clear, cops who were at the Capitol, some did go on to die, like Brian Sicknick, God rest his soul, and one cop death is too many. But there's a reason they lied about the narrative. It's because the Democrats and the media could use this false narrative that it was a deadly white supremacist insurgency for the political leverage that they were hoping for. When they told you, oh, this QAnon shaman, he was trying to overthrow the government. He wanted to be the next president in a Chewbacca bikini. And then you see the guy walk into the Capitol peacefully. Doesn't break anything. Doesn't hit anybody. You've got hours of footage of him being shown into room after room after room. You know, that's the problem with trying to overthrow the government. There's so many cops that are willing to show you around. It gets exhausting after a while. It's like, come on, guys. Do you have to show me into this room, too? The point is, he's not saying it's fine. He's saying the people trying to weaponize it for political gain are full of And Jimmy Kimmel happens to be one of them. That's the bottom line. So the reason the Oscars are losing as many people as they are is because it really has become a really well-dressed group therapy session where they're just tuning in to tell everybody in the room that they're better than the middle of the country. They're just tuning in to give you a lecture about inequality while they're wearing a dress that costs more than your house. (laughs) I'm like, yo, if we want to talk about inequality, uh, let's talk about the fact that you're in a $400,000 gown and the average person watching this is in a house that cost $150,000. I mean, maybe we could do that, but no. The media's like, it's awesome. Way to go, Hollywood. You're fighting the good fight is what you're doing. The media is a bunch of losers. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There he is, back in the studio with plenty of time to spare. Come on, don't bullshit me. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up, big hour coming your way. Wesley Hunt, he is, of course, a superstar representative from the great state of Texas, where we're running into a little bit of a border problem right now under this president. Biden sucks. Wesley Hunt's going to stop by to talk about that. And, of course, the Biden budget proposal which is being trashed by the Daily Beast of all places. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Dude, when you've lost the Daily Beast, you talk about partisan rags. And I don't want to disparage them, the Daily, you know. But good gosh. I mean, this, this proposal, it's not serious. Like his border policies, his budget policies are not serious. Tell them like it is. Okay, it's an emotionalist wish list to stupid people on the left. And we're going to get into it, and we're going to talk about, wow, the quest to unseat Biden could be getting a field, could be getting a little more crowded. DeSantis hasn't announced yet. He's just got the best-selling book in the history of pre-presidential campaign books. He's raised a gazillion dollars. There's more people moving to his state than anywhere else in America. And he does want you to believe with a straight face 
that he's not going to run. He's going to run. He's just waiting because he has a supermajority in his legislature that will allow him to implement a lot more changes he considers to be for the better in the state of Florida before armed with that legislative record, he goes full bore into the 2024 race. But there's another Republican. There's another Republican uh, talking about getting into the race right now. Uh, This, according to The Hill, something I have told you has been coming for quite some time, someone who is a very good friend of this show. Okay, Tim Scott, superstar senator from the great state of South Carolina, now also on the verge of making a go of this thing. Okay, and if that's true, the field gets a little more crowded. You've got Nikki Haley already in. You've got Trump already in. You've got DeSantis, who is one thousand billion trillion getting in. He tells you he's still thinking about it. He's not sure. Sell crazy someplace else. <laughs> We're all stocked up here. I love what he does. It. It's funny. He's like, well, you know, we'll get down the road. Yeah, we'll revisit it. He knows he's running. They're raising all kinds of money, and he's going to run. And I want him to run. I want this to be a brawl. I want it to be an old school WWE battle royale where they get in the ring and whoever the last guy is to get out of there, they emerge with the nomination. That's what I want to watch. Slug it out. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Okay, but here is the Hill article. Okay, and it talks about, you know, Tim Scott. Okay, the article is titled Republicans Brace for Tim Scott's Entrance into the 2024 Race. And according to the author, Max Greenwood, says Republicans are bracing for his increasingly likely entrance into the race, arguing he could be a voice for unity. In a party that has been dominated by grievance politics, he's begun hiring staffers, courting would-be donors, headlining the closing dinner of the Crub for Growth's annual donor retreat in Palm Beach, Florida last weekend, which is a very fancy way of saying this guy's definitely getting in. He's going to run. And I don't know how this is going to shake out. My job is not to root for anybody, okay? The only thing I'm rooting for, so you understand, is America. I'll give you a take on who I think could win. I'll give you a take on who I think might be better for one thing than another. Okay, but in the end, you know, I just want the best candidate to take our country forward. Because anybody, and I I really do mean anybody, anyone on earth, anyone is better than Joe Biden. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. I mean, Joe Biden is a terrible president. He's being governed. He's being run by people behind the scenes that are essentially just telling him what to do. I say this all the time. It's an iTunes user agreement. Okay, we are running an administration through executive order. You know when you're getting a new app on your phone, you just the iTunes user agreement comes up, it's 21 pages long. You just scroll to the bottom and click I agree because you want to get that song you like. You want to get that coupon on that shopping app. You want to buy those pants for 10% off. Scroll to the bottom, click I agree. Give me the app. Come on, I need the app. That's Biden. Biden doesn't want an app. He wants a 2 p.m. pudding cup and a nap. So they're like, here's an executive order killing the border policies. Scroll to the bottom and click I agree. Well, I got to read it first. Hey, you want your pudding cup or what? All right, all right, I'll scroll. I'll scroll. And he clicks I agree. And that's been everything. Joe Biden's a disaster because the people running Joe Biden have no business running a country. Okay, we have lost our energy independence. Our border is overwhelmed. It's, you know, we've led to a record high of fentanyl deaths. Interest rates are through the roof. Crime is out of control. Okay, we're sending all our money to Ukraine. And to be honest with you, we don't have any definition of what would constitute a victory, nor do we have any declared limit on how far we're willing to go with this money. Okay, it's just an endless Venmo to Ukraine. And again, doesn't mean I'm a Putin puppet, doesn't mean I want Putin to win. 
But at a time when Americans are being crushed back home, it would be nice to know that if we're going to come second, there's at least a halfway decent explanation for why somebody else is going to come first. That's true. That is true. Okay. So when you hear like Tim Scott might get in, when you hear DeSantis might get in, okay, any of it's a victory, any of it's a victory because there is another candidate getting into the race that will be better than Joe Biden should they come out as the standard bearer for the Republican Party. Okay, here is Senator John Kennedy. He summed up Biden's budget proposal better than anybody. And it's the reason I just want you to understand this again and again and again. On the left, they'll tell you, well, the Republican field's getting crowded because, you know, Trump isn't that popular anymore. That's not true. Trump enjoys tremendous support in the Republican Party. Tremendous support. But understand the reason other guys are challenging them is because we all know whoever emerges with the victory is going to be the next president of the United States of America. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. It's not so much that they want to fight Trump. It's that they all want a piece of Biden. Bingo, man. Bingo. And one of the reasons they want a piece of him is because of. I mean, this is just weapons grade stupid. Uh, This is Kennedy uh, explaining the Biden budget proposal, clip one. The president's budget took my breath away. Um, His numbers are extraordinary. We're going to run out of digits here. It's a $6.9 trillion budget, $4.7 trillion in new taxes that will affect everyone over 10 years. $18 trillion in new debt, a cut to defense. The president says that his budget will solve our financial problems in Medicare and Social Security. That's not true. Uh, Anything seems possible when you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, think about that. When you don't know what you're talking about, yeah, no, we'll have free college. It'll be great. No, it's free. Free health care. No, that'd be great. Free stimulus money for immigrants. Oh, that'd be great. And so, do you understand? This is pie in the sky stupidity. And he knows this budget is going to get shot down. But the reason he submits it anyway is because he wants to be able to go out to his people and be like, well, okay, I tried to give away the whole world, but those pesky Republicans wouldn't let me. This is politics as usual. And that's what this is about, politics as usual. This is a guy, Joe Biden, not submitting a serious budget that could be passed, that could actually help people, but putting forth, this is a Sears catalog. You know when the Sears catalog comes, your mom lets you circle some of the toys you like that year, and then, you know, maybe with any luck we get a letter to Santa. Santa sees some of those ads in the Sears catalog, and some of them show up under the tree when December rolls around with any luck. This is Biden, okay, circling for a letter to Santa. But unfortunately, none of the kids of the Democratic Party behaved, so Santa ain't coming. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Okay, this is stupid. And understand this. It also illustrates that he's not a serious person. Because if you want to help people, the goal becomes, all right, what's a reasonable budget we can work on here that will help people? But that's not the priority. The priority is... How can I grandstand for every far left, you know, wish list agenda item so I can say to the people, hey, I tried. That's why we got to win back the House. That's why we got to hold on to the Senate in 2024. Don't look at me. I tried. But does this budget represent him legitimately trying? The answer would be no. No, he just wants the credit. 
But that's where we are where we are with Republicans getting in. Okay, Tim Scott's getting in. And I want to say this really quick. Okay, my job and at no point will my job become to tell you who to vote for. I can tell you the strengths and what I perceive to be the weaknesses of every single candidate. Okay, the thing I love about Tim Scott getting in really quickly is he has the best story of anybody getting into the race in that he takes us so far beyond the conversation about race. Tim Scott, in theory, is the Democrats' worst nightmare of all of them because it's the hardest to call him racist. He's a historic figure who served in both houses of Congress as a black American. He is the first human being to do it in the 246-year history of this country. Tim Scott, whose grandfather was forced out of elementary school in third grade to pick cotton, okay, could come along in that very family, okay, a generation later and go, as he said, from cotton to Congress. And Tim Scott spoke and continues to speak very eloquently about the evolution of the Southern heart and how he was raised in a version of the South that wasn't nearly as inclusive and as tolerant and as welcoming as it is now. And it's really hard to cartoon him as a racist. It's also really hard to continuously make the abortion argument to the black community when you've got Tim Scott, whose mother was raising him in abject poverty, whose mother in the modern Democratic Party would be aggressively encouraged and cajoled into aborting a baby like Tim Scott. If you remember when Tim Scott was talking on Capitol Hill and they were having this pro-life, pro-debate you know, discussion, he famously came on our show the next day and talked about how you know, he had made the point to Jennifer Granholm that under your aggressive abortion policies, I wouldn't have been born. And you know, she was making the point, well, abortion is good for labor force participation. So, you know, if a woman's poor and she has a kid, you know, it's more important to be able to go to work and sit in a cubicle for 10 hours a day than it is to, you know, be raising a kid, which, by the way, it's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Women, you were lied to when people said, oh, you know, it's so empowering to just be able to abort a baby. Go spend more time in the cubicle because that should define you. Your career should define you. No, it shouldn't. Okay, on paper, I have a really cool career. And it's a really fun – like, gosh, if you knew how much gratitude is, like, coursing through my veins. But it still doesn't define me. Like, it, maybe the people who don't know me. But if you listen to the show every day, it's pretty abundantly clear that my wife and my kid, my dog and my cat are what this whole thing runs on. Like, all of this is amazing. But emotionally, it's still like a toll that you got to pay to get home to that. And, again, this is wonderful. Don't ever think for a second I'm denigrating how amazing it's been. I'm like, man, am I thankful. But the point is they sold the idea that killing babies was necessary because your job was going to define your true worth to the world, your financial success, your career growth, when none of that could possibly be true. How many wildly rich people you know that are just unbearable, vile, loathsome human beings? So should the wealth get them a pass? Of course not. How many poor people do you know? middle-of-the-road people struggling to get by, just happy with what they have, okay, that are actually awesome, that you can't wait to hang out with. Okay, the best friends I have, most of them are broke cab drivers, comics, guys trying to hold it together. And I can tell you that as someone who has made it from maybe there to wherever this is, uh, the best times I had was as a poor guy driving a cab, as a poor guy doing stand-ups, a poor guy hanging out. You know, we're having fun because that's the whole point of being alive is to have fun. And this idea that Democrats 
have tried to deny people life because, you know, no life, you know, and you can go out and have fun. Remember when Kamala famously was quoting the Constitution and omitted the word life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? She goes, we're all entitled to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Kamala is a lying sociopath. Fact check. Is she ever? But she was appointed. Why? Because she was a black woman. They wanted a black woman on the ticket because it allowed them to call Republicans racist. Okay, understand, the Republicans are going to get called racist, whether it's Trump or the Santos nominee. Nikki Haley has already been accused of using her brown skin to launder white supremacy. That was embarrassing. Of course it was, and it was desperate because they don't know how to counter the argument of a minority conservative. Because conservatives who happen to be minorities are conservatives because the policies elevate not just their community but all communities. Democrats who happen to be minorities happen to be Democrats because we've turned it into a branding exercise where anyone who's not a Democrat is supposedly a racist. Now, Democrat policies are the ones that defund police and get black people killed. Republican policies are the ones that boost police budgets. So in theory, we know who's doing more harm to the to the black community. And it's not the Republican Party. It's the Democratic Party. He knows what he's talking about. And that's why Tim Scott Scott is such a threat. That's why Nikki Haley is such a threat. They change the conversation to a place of substance, and it becomes a lot harder for the Democrats to execute the only play in their playbook. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. The show that leaves you without hope or change. I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Fired up, going to talk to Wesley Hunt the next break. Got a lot going on today. Wesley Hunt's here, Dana Perino's here. I'm going to be on Greg Gutfeld's show tonight. I'm hosting. I'm filling in for our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. And uh, I am enjoying a full week in New York City. I got nowhere to be. I'll be on your TV every day. I'll be on your TV every night. I'll be on your TV Saturday morning. I'll be TV Saturday night. Uh, It's going to be a wild week. And after that, we're heading back out onto the road. We're going to be in Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater April the 7th. We're going to be at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho April the 8th. And then back on the East Coast at the Bananas Comedy Club in East Rutherford, New Jersey, April 21st and 22nd. After that, we go on the Last in Liberty tour with Kennedy. We'll get to those dates. But right now I want to get back to radio because that is my actual job. And there are things we need to get into before Wesley Hunt gets here. You know, you have to, like, clean up before a company comes over. It's the same thing. You got to you know, get a guest coming over. You got to make sure you hit the pertinent information before they get here. So we can have this quick conversation. Uh, Here was Tim Scott talking about domestic issues facing the country. Uh, Many of them are going to come up with Wesley Hunt. So here's a State of the Union from Senator Scott, clip 14. I think what I've heard all across the country on my Faith in America tour is the frustration of the American people because of the absolute lack of leadership of President Biden on domestic issues. Think about the security issues that we face here in America, the border it is wide open, it is unsafe, and it has led to more than 100,000 overdose deaths in this country. You think about East Palestine. Here's a crisis in our country, and the president has yet to step a foot into East Palestine. You have Americans who are frustrated because of the lack of leadership on domestic issues. 
This is total crap. That's exactly what it is. It's, t- it's a fancy way. He's too eloquent of a speaker to say this is total crap. <laughs> but that's what he's saying. He's quoting a young, young Lincoln failure. You know, when Biden gets out there, I'll govern for all Americans. You don't understand. Stop lying to us. They can't stop lying to you, okay, because the truth is a liability for them. Remember, when the border was getting overrun, they were like, no, it's not a crisis. That's a Trump thing. It's climate change is what it's doing. It's uh, We got a study. It's on climate change. They keep doing it with everything. Oh, it's not inflation. It's just a transitory thing. All right, it's inflation, but it's Trump. I'm telling you, it's everything we do. Okay, first they screw it up and deny screwing it up. Then they say, well, it is screwed up, but it's only going to be here a little while. And then when it's here, like a year or more, they're like, well, Trump. I mean, you don't understand. And that's why people can't take it anymore. That's why anyone will beat Biden. Wesley Hunt is here to back me up on all of this and so much more. So don't go anywhere. Going to be a wild one right here on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are. Although I have to tell you, a little bit of a buzzkill here. I love this guest. But if you were watching the Oscars last night and you looked at all the fashion on the red carpet, you were probably a little underwhelmed if you happen to hang out with a certain representative from the 38th Congressional District of Texas. I am talking about the self-declared best-dressed man in Congress. Wesley Hunt is back. Hey, man. Sir, it is no longer self-declared. It is now a consensus. <laughs> of, of now, just to be clear, which of the voices in your head have joined the consensus? All four of them. Don't <laughs> <tell> anybody. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We, we knew you'd go to. By the way, I, I, yeah. I was not a big fan of the rock campaign blazer last night. No. When you're that big, you know, you got to go with a nice dark color. Because it kind of makes you look too, you know, yes. you know, uh, unlike The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to know what you got to do. You got to break it up a little bit. That's you just needed a yeah. contrast. Like if you're gonna go with yeah. a champagne jacket, you need like a, a lapel that pops. You don't wear the That's same something. one. That was the something. issue. But but I so he did support Joe Biden, so I can't say I'm all that surprised. <laughs> Wesley Hunt, he's taking on The Rock now. Man, I'm telling you. Right. <laughs> It's it's unbelievable. As I watch your profile grow, I never thought you'd be fighting in a headline WWE event before the end of I'm your second fight. month. Let's be, let's be clear about something. I'm not going to fight The Rock. I'm just talking a little trash. <laughs> Good for you. Well, listen, we could use The Rock at the border if he wanted to do some enforcement right now. We don't have a lot of it going on. Do you find it laughable? Like, Corrine Jean-Pierre tried to explain over the weekend that, you know, they're doing a good job at the border. They inherited a mess from the the last president, and she couldn't even say it as eloquently as I'm saying it. But the point is, don't you kind of get the feeling they're concerned with protecting their own political agenda more than the border? So Joe Biden has been president for the past Two years now. Mm-hmm. Blaming the old administration is over. That statute of limitations has ended. This is your problem. <laughs> we have lost almost 200,000 Americans due to fentanyl overdose, or, or overdoses because China is selling fentanyl to the cartels. And
and the cartels are feeding our young people this dangerous drug, and they've done nothing about it for the past two years. So now they're continuing to blame the Trump administration, and nobody's believing you anymore. We don't buy it anymore. Your border czar has not even been to the border one time. This is a clear derelict of duty, and then now they're trying to run away from it, and I think the American people know better. Oh, do they ever, Wesley Hunt? Wasn't it funny, though, that Kamala, she, I know she didn't go, but she conducted a study on the root causes of, of legal immigration and blamed it on climate change, as if people are <laughs> walking a thousand miles because they're worried about what the weather's going to do in 40 years. It's like, dude, Hunt, the oldest joke in the world is like, oh, weatherman, that's a good profession because we don't know what the weather's going to do tomorrow. They're wrong all the time. So how in a world where we don't know what the weather's going to do tomorrow, do we know what it's going to do in 50 years? We don't. So, 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 so Jimmy, do you, do you remember Tech Mobile? Yeah, oh, Tech yeah. Cunt, you want to talk? Right. To, go ahead. Go ahead. And, 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 like, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson had, like, two plays, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The Democrats are like, are, like, are like the Raiders in Tech Mobile. They have two plays. <laughs> they have racism. No, 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 no. They, they have racism, and they have, and they have more racism. And then, and then they, and they don't want to put everything on climate. That's all they got. They got climate and racism. So, and, and that's their two plays, and we know that. And at some point, we need more plays. Well, listen, this is the thing, though. Like, Bo Jackson, okay, got in Tecmo Bowl, he was dominant. You know, that was a year he had 1,516 yards rushing. They had two running plays. It was Bo and Marcus Allen, and then they had a pass out of the backfield. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was it. But but it was effective. You see, what's happening now is, remember in Tecmo Bowl, if you guessed the other team's play, you would tackle them for like an 80-yard loss in the backfield. Everyone would jump in. The water guy with a hot dog guy would hit him with a tray. It was, it was, was violent. Okay. That's the problem is we're guessing their plays in Tech Mobile. Yeah. So it doesn't even work anymore. So, but what no, I'm, what I, they, there's no like self evaluation though. Nobody's audible at the line of scrimmage here. <laughs> Zero. Zero. And that's, and that's their only playbook. And their incompetence is absolutely deafening. And, and to be honest with you, sir, this is what happens when you hire people based on based on the socialist agenda and not based on merit, who they are, the capabilities and their qualifications. And that's why this country is falling to pieces because this leadership is far more, far more entrenched and far more worried about the climate cartel and race than are about putting American priorities first. Oh, it's so true. We're talking to Wesley Hunt and we're talking in tech mobile terms. So, you know, it's getting serious. We're just we're moments away from a bases loaded reference, and then the wheels just come right off. <laughs> oh, funny! I bring up I bring up bases loaded. That was a, the old Nintendo game where you could charge the mound if you got hit by a pitch. Oh, yeah, I remember well. Yeah, yeah, well, a lot of guys want to charge the mound after this bank bailout. Are we getting a bag of goods on this, or what's the deal? Well, of course we are. And what I want the American people people to understand and those that, that are listening is they always want to blame the Trump administration for everything that they're doing wrong. But what they don't want to talk about is under the Trump administration, we didn't see any of this. Nope. Banks weren't failing. We didn't have inflation at a record high. And what this administration wants to do now is propose a budget for, for, for fiscal year 2024 with $5 trillion in additional taxes that can potentially drive our debt to $50 trillion. And so, and so we're sick. We have a problem. We have a spending problem. And what do they do? They spend more money. <laughs> and then they wonder why we're collapsing. They wonder why banks are, 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 are collapsing. And to be honest with you, who's going to pay for this? 
yep. the American taxpayer every single time. Oh, it's so true, man. And these, you like, you know, well, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be the taxpayer because you know we're gonna, we're gonna create a fund. I'm like, where's the fund gonna come from? You know, it's so the it's, taxpayer. It's such it's a. I mean, you know, I know, but it's amazing because they've gotten away with it for so long. But I feel like our country is getting the bill for a lot of bad ideas at the same time, you know. And uh, that's the issue right now, Wesley Hunt. You guys got your work cut out for you. What else is going on in the swamp? Is everything going good? I mean, you're a freshman. Uh, Are they inviting you to any good parties? Like, what do I need to know, Wesley Hunt? Do you know what you need to know, Jimmy, is this, is that our delegation is actually working very well together. And everybody that watched that first week, it kind of took us a little bit long to get our speaker vote done. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've been operating like a well-oiled machine. It's an absolute honor to work with these people every single day. And please know that we as a party and we as a delegation, especially down here in Texas, we understand exactly what the people of Texas want, what this country needs. We are working tirelessly every single day to do that. And quite frankly, I don't have any complaints because I get to serve 800,000 people in the greater Houston area, sir, mm-hmm. and there is no greater honor than that. Ah, oh, Wesley Hunt. No, it's, I it's, mean that from the bottom of my heart. No, it's, it's good to hear because usually when we get this speech from a fre- freshman congressman, we can hear his staff popping a bottle of champagne in the background. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've heard this speech before. I've just never heard it from a guy who's actually working. I usually hear it from a guy in Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue is playing in the background. Right. <laughs> of course. What a great video that was. What a great video. Oh, well, I'll have you know. It's it's now called Them's, Them's, Them's. It's different now. you got to change the day, 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 Yeah, day, it's, it's not doesn't quite have the same pop anymore, but, you know, they're doing what they can. They're doing what they can. Uh, Wesley Hunt, I love talking to you, man. If you get some free time, right. I'm hosting Gutfeld tonight at 11, and I need the rating. So if you get some time, throw on Fox News right. and watch your radio, buddy. I'll make you proud with my jacket. I can't wait to see. I'm gonna grade. I'm gonna grade you. All right, you well, better than the Rock, sir. Listen, I wasn't gonna. Well, that's a low bar, but I wasn't even gonna invite you till I heard the Tecmo Bowl reference. Now I need you in my audience. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Bo nose fashion. I'll see you tonight, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you, my man. There he goes, Wesley Hunt freshman representative in Congress who actually cares, who actually wants to work. I've told you this before. Think about this show. You hear certain lawmakers on this show a good amount. It's because I've run into them off the air, I've talked to them off the air, and they're the same person. Do you know what I mean by that? Okay, I've met lawmakers that I'm like, I'd watch them on TV, be like, oh, I like this guy. Then I run into him in some D.C. mixer, and I'm like, oh, oh, that's that's interesting. So this guy's uh, completely full of <laughs> if you hear somebody on this show, it's because I believe that they legitimately care and they're doing what they say they're doing on the air. I do not. Oh, God, just nothing sounds worse to me than just having to, like, sell you on the idea that some politician I don't believe in is worth believing in. Oh, that just sounds so bankrupt, you know, and I get it. If I had, like, fancier taste, but I don't have fancy taste. Most of the things I eat are are based on tater tots. Tater tots are in like 90% of my recipes. I don't need to make money to sustain the lifestyle that I enjoy. So I don't have to sell out. I can just level with you and tell you the truth. Like Wesley Hunt's a lot of fun, you know. We're lucky for that. We're lucky to have a lot of good guys on the show. But, you know, the thing he keeps coming back to is the young people who are getting into Congress right now, many of whom are minorities, by the way, they were powered by communities 
that felt like they had been neglected for too long, meaning they didn't, you know, Wesley Hunt will joke about Tech Mobile. He'll joke about being the best-dressed guy in Congress. But he realizes he's not getting elected because of his social media profile. He's getting elected because people who met him, who understand he's a West Point grad, who served this country in uniform, who's had three generations of his family go to West Point, he's a guy that cares, gets it, realizes we've got to prioritize certain basic tenets in order to have our society flourish. You need to get the government the hell out of your life, especially as it pertains to business. You need to support the cops. You need to protect the border. Okay, You need a military so fearful that no one wants to mess with us. The deterrent is supposed to be peace through strength. Right now we have chaos through teleprompter. North Korea shooting off missiles over the weekend. I had to do Fox and Friends Saturday morning, me and Rachel Campos Duffy. When they sent me the stories, I was like, wait, what? Wait, what is going on? North Korea, Kim Jong-un took his daughter, she's 10, to watch him launch missiles near South Korea? Like, I'm like, dude, I think she wanted to go to build a bear, not build a bomb. I think you misread the <laughs> the ask, uh, the note she left on the fridge, Kim Jong-un. But the point is that stuff's going on because we've emboldened a lot of tyranny around the world by projecting a lot of weakness at the highest levels of our government. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just they're not respecting our country the way they used to. The critics have spoken. It's a mess. It's a mess. This is Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Getting ready for a big hour. Dana Perino joining us. She's going to give me some comedy tips. I'm hosting the Gutfeld Show tonight. Perino, of course, pound for pound, as good of a guest host as we have on this channel uh, on Gutfeld. In terms of her everyday role, she's the co-host of America's Newsroom and the co-host of The Five. I mean, as ranking members in the Fox News uh, orbit go, she is actually like the closest thing we have to a Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> she she could walk around with a crown on. Everybody would get it. Uh, someone who is not uh, being celebrated in this moment, though, Jim Cramer. So we were talking uh, to Wesley Hunt a moment ago. And if you've been following the news of the last 48 hours, uh, Biden administration is getting ready to bail out uh, SVB and understand you know, he tells you, oh, this, you know, this isn't going to come. This isn't going to come through the taxpayer. They got nothing. To- You're a liar. Then where's it going to come from? FDIC insurance only covers a little bit less than half of all the outstanding money that's being guaranteed by the government, which means at some point they're going to have to get it somewhere else, which means it's coming from your tax dollars. Thanks, big government weenuses. Here's Jim Cramer, of all people, back in uh, all the way back. In February of 23, which is a few weeks ago, telling you this was a strong buy, you know, one of these banks that prioritized climate and diversity and inclusion and all those other wonderful woke priorities. Everything woke turns to But to be clear, I couldn't say to you with any degree of certainty that wokeness is what took the bank under. What's taking the bank under is inflation is at record levels. And it's driven interest rates to the moon, which means more borrowers are on the verge of default, which means more banks are on the verge of default. So it's not about regulation. It's not even about woke priorities per se. Okay, but it's very much about an administration that has no idea what they are doing. Okay, that's the issue. Here it is, clip nine, though. Jim Cramer 
telling you this is a strong buy. The ninth best performer year to date is SVB Financial. Don't you want? This company's a merchant bank with a deposit base that Wall Street had been stakely concerned about. SVB is the old Silicon Valley Bank. Recently bought one of our favorite research firms, Buffett Nathanson, and it's become less dependent upon private equity and venture capitalist offerings. Wait a second. Those dried up last year, they could come back. Yes, yeah, some of them come back here with the stock directly affects an oversold position. Stock was the fourth worst performer in 2022. I think the fears were not justified. It's a very compelling situation. Hey, by the way, long-term private equity and venture capital, they're not going away. Being the banker to these invest, immense pools of capital has always been a very good business. Stock's still cheap. What the hell were you thinking? I mean, Jim Cramer's an idiot. Okay, but there he is telling you it's a strong buy just three weeks before it collapses. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fired. Okay, let me explain something to you. The people that pump and dump stocks, the people that push them, the people that short them, okay, the people that bail them out at the highest levels of the government, what they always do And this goes back to Sam Bankman-Fried, who, oh, by the way, was running a straight-up Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. But he was allowed to subsist, at least through the last election cycle, because he was the number one donor to the Democratic Party. But what they do whenever people get defrauded is, of course, they use their power in government to bail out the rich people. But then they always, always hand the bill when it comes to taxpayer debts, to the poor people, to the regular person, to you and me. Okay, but understand, they justify it by saying, well, you know, we need more regulation. You know, now, now that we saw what went on, what we need, we need another government panel, a, a committee. Uh, we need some more funding. We need to spend more money to make sure, you know, the fact that we just lost more money is less likely to happen again. But do you understand The laws, okay, aren't the problem. Regulation isn't the problem in this instant. On some level, it's greed. On another level, it's incompetency at the highest levels of our government. That's why we're in the position that we're in right now. But when you go bail them out, do you understand? You're bailing them out at the expense of other people. You're sending the message that, hey, you could take venture capitalist money and gamble with it. You could take people's bank deposits and gamble with it. You don't have to be responsible. Okay, and if it goes belly up, the you know government will get your back. And where's the accountability in that? The answer is there isn't any. That's the issue, okay? And when you hear things like, oh, you know, this, it's not going to come out of your pocket. What are you talking about? Who's what? What other pocket do we have? Is there some old pair of pants we're going to find that has a trillion dollars laying around in it? I think we know the answer. The answer is no. Here is uh, Vivek Ramsaway. He was on uh, the Next Revolution last night. Ramaswamy, anyway. Uh, clip eight. There's no free lunch, and what's going on, Steve, is it's crony capitalism all the way down. What happens is you have a $250,000 maximum that FDIC usually applies as the amount that's actually insured. What they're doing here is they're changing the rules after the fact to favor Silicon Valley Bank. And what does that do is it creates these incentives in the future, Steve, for banks to take more risk, for depositors, especially large depositors at smaller banks to just throw more money at those banks because you know the government's going to be there to backstop it. I know they're not calling it a bailout, but the, but the concept is really just the same. It's bottom line. Okay, it's not a bailout, but we're still bailing them out. That's the scam here, and people are tired of it. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. 
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Is it ever? And we are fired up for a big hour. We've got Dana Perino, the bell of the cable news ball coming by. (laughs) Figured you'd like that. She's, of course, one half of the dynamic duo that hosts America's Newsroom. She is uh, 20% of the cast on The Five, highest-rated show in all of cable news television. She is a frequent guest host on Greg Gutfeld's show, a show I myself am hosting this evening on the Fox News channel. Perino, coming by to pregame with your radio buddy. You're welcome to join as well, 888-788-9910. But we are going to start really quickly with a discussion about last night's Oscars. Because somebody has to. I always say, what, Fox Across America? It's our family meeting. If it's going on in this country and it's of relevance, we're going to cover it. Okay, fine. Maybe the Oscars aren't that relevant anymore. I think he's got a point. But, you know, they had some moments last night. And the thing I like to give a lot of attention to, and it's going to be the focus of my, you know, Gutfeld monologue tonight, is I do like to talk a lot about common culture. And Hollywood used to be a source of common culture. Okay, in that back in the day, they recognized the reason people went to the movies is because they wanted to escape the torments of everyday life. And they wanted to look at these people who had hit the genetic lottery. Okay, these women that were like so gorgeous, they could take down an F-14. Hubba, hubba. Just like look at them like, ah, my gosh, you know, and these men, of course. You know, incredibly good-looking specimens as well. But people who, for all intents and purposes, have the words written for them in a teleprompter were duped into believing we cared what they had to say about politics. (laughs) Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And again, I'm not trying to deny anybody their platform or their First Amendment rights. But the fact remains, when you look at this country, no one can argue that the quality of anything has gotten better Since athletes and actors started taking political positions, nothing. Okay, and understand it wasn't always this way. Michael Moore, this blows people's minds to think this. Michael Moore, of all folks, you know Michael Moore. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. Whatever. But Michael Moore, the documentarian, was once booed at the Oscars because he took shots at George W. Bush. He took shots at a Republican president in Hollywood. And they were like, shut up, get out of here. We're not doing that. This is the Oscars. It's not a political rally. You got Michael Moore, hey, shut up, get out of here, okay? And that's how it went down. That was 20 years ago when he won an Oscar for bowling for Columbine, okay? He was booed for criticizing a Republican president. Nowadays, you would get booed. If you didn't criticize the Republican president. That's true. That is true. Now you got to get up there. Be like, oh, there's Republicans. They're fascists. They're Nazi. Whatever. And so people actually have been forced. Okay, finally, after years of cratered ratings, they've lost 25 million viewers since 2012. Since their peak, they've lost 25 million viewers. They've been forced to at least acknowledge there are some apolitical viewers out there. Okay, they nominated Top Gun. Top Gun is the movie that single-handedly saved cinema this summer and that everybody went to see it. It made a bazillion dollars. But then, lo and behold, the ceremony came and went, and the only thing Top Gun won for was a Best Sound Oscar, 
which doesn't mean a hell of a whole lot to Tom Cruise. But they threw him a bone because they want, you know, they want to make nods to the Marvel movies. They want to make nods to the big box office films because they realize if you want people to watch the Oscars, it would help at some point if you were nominating films for Best Picture that people actually watched. You are correct, sir. So as much as they want to give a nomination to a two-spirit transgender squid that's struggling with the patriarchy, at some point you got to dial it back a little bit and acknowledge box office receipts. So there was an attempt to do that last night. But lo and behold, it's, you know, it's hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, who's an as- activist masquerading as a comedian. And uh, he had to take a Tucker shot, which we'll get into. But it started, of all things... With a shot at CNN. CNN is the worst. Here is your recipient. <laughs> this one made me fun, made me laugh. Okay, you've got a, a recipient. Okay, who is winning one of the biggest awards of the night, which is Best Actress, and in a shocker, it actually went to a biological woman. Nobody saw that coming, but Best Actress goes to a bi- biological woman. Who takes a shot at Don Lemon? Here it is, clip 20. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, (laughs) this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. Never give up. Because <laughs> what is she saying to Don Lemon? Shut up, fool. Shut up, fool. Don Lemon famously tried to take down Nikki Haley weeks back by saying she was past her prime at the age of 51. This despite the fact that Don Lemon endorsed Kamala, who's older than Nikki Haley, and endorsed Joe Biden, who, to be honest, is about twice the age of Nikki Haley. You know, the rapidly rising... Uh, um uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, Not great. <laughs> but it's like, no, that guy's sharp as a tack. Nikki Haley, on the other hand, she's past her prime. This guy will say anything. Will he ever? Uh, so it was a good moment last night to see some clap back at Don Lemon and to see what, you know, a lot of people want to believe is a course correction because the only thing that has made the Oscars relevant in the last 10 years was Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. I mean, in theory, you've probably heard me say this on TV a thousand times now. I can't let it go. I want Will Smith to be celebrated because he's the only guy who could get a room full of white liberals to acknowledge black-on-black crime. Okay, you never get to bring it up in political debate. It's the number one killer of black Americans. But they'll tell you, no, it's, it's white supremacy. Ah, it's climate change. It's a lack of available COVID shots and boosters. You know, they'll tell you, equity. Okay, no, black on black crime is number one cause of black death in America. We're not allowed to talk about it. So the fact that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock, somebody I love, okay, and at least brought the conversation there on a superficial level, I considered in small, some small way a victory for America. But sadly, we moved on and did nothing about the issue of black on black crime. We'll give speeches about oppression and everything in between. And, of course, we will address it in a joking way. Here is Jimmy Kimmel last night, uh, clip 21. We have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor. (laughs) No, but seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. 
If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. Hey, ha ha. But you know what's funny? And I played the joke. Because what they did last year in real time when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock was illustrate just how out of touch they were with the rest of the universe. Meaning when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock, okay, the votes were already in on who was going to win Best Actor. So I don't expect them to go rip open the envelope and let people re-vote. There's not enough time in the ceremony to do that. But they did, however, let him win and get up there and give a 19-minute speech and sob and talk about the challenges of being for him and the devil and everything in between and give the guy a pseudo-standing ovation after he had just committed assault. And it wasn't until the ceremony was over that Hollywood heard from their customers, oh, by the way, that was psychotic. Oh, by the way, after all of these lectures about inequality and you saying you're just like us, you just committed assault in broad daylight. No one's being charged for any of it. In fact, you're giving the guy a standing ovation. I'm surrounded by idiots. So it wasn't until after that backlash was heard in Hollywood from the regular theater goer and they realized how ridiculous it was that they acted like they cared. Oh, hitting is bad. Oh, we'll have extra staff on place. Oh, Will Smith's been suspended. They didn't know in real time that Will Smith needed to be suspended after he assaulted a guy. Of course they did. But they didn't want to upend the ceremony even more than it had already been upended, which is why they wound up in the position they were in, which is wildly out of touch with the people watching at home. Okay, now as they came forward this year, they tried to make the show more friendly. Okay, and what I mean by that is they nominated some of the bigger box office hits. They nominated, you know, Wakanda Forever, which is another Marvel movie. They nominated, you know, you got somebody from an X-Men movie. You get somebody from a Top Gun movie. You get Marvel movies represented because those are the only things people go say. If you want to make money in a movie theater nowadays, you either need a guy in a cape or a Scientologist. You need one or the other. I think he's got a point. Guy in a cape, Marvel movie, Scientologist Tom Cruise. Absent those two things... You ain't going to make no money, okay? It's just how it works. But here's Jimmy Kimmel. He, for the most part, for the most part, got through his opening monologue. He made a joke about Seth Rogen and Steven Spielberg. He's like, they are the Joe and Hunter Biden of Hollywood. Hunter's a dirtbag. Maybe so, and that's what he was alluding to. They're saying, like, Seth Rogen's a little bit of a stoner, ha-ha. Nah, give him credit. He tried. Okay, the room didn't love it. So, like, you can't be making fun of no Democrats. You know, and he made a reference to a QAnon Reddit page, which was his nod to the Democrats. Look, I'm going after the Republicans. But, of course, he saved his best shot for Tucker and talking about editing. Here it is, clip 22. Anyone who's ever received a text message from their father knows how important editing is. Editors (laughs) do amazing things. Editors can turn 44,000 hours of violent insurrection footage into a respectful sightseeing tour of the Capitol. That was embarrassing. And why is it embarrassing? Because it's a comedian. And let's go get laughs. I don't care. But it's his activism masquerading as true comedy, and that his audience doesn't agree. Tucker Carlson is the most widely watched primetime news show in America. You know what that means? That means more people like Tucker's version of things than anybody else in the country. Bingo. Okay, they tune in 
Not because Tucker said the Capitol wasn't violent. Of course he said it was violent. If you watched Tucker last week, you saw a lot of clips of people breaking into the Capitol. You know what you didn't see a clip of? You didn't see a clip of the QAnon shaman, the guy they told us had been sent there to overthrow the government, doing anything violent. In fact, he was getting led into room after room after room by the Capitol Police, is what went on in the videos. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? That was the point Tucker was making, is that January 6th was violent. However, the specific narrative being put forth from the media was a lie. Okay, five cops didn't die that day. They weren't attempting to overthrow the government. It wasn't a coup. They weren't armed. But when the Tucker dealt in specifics and spoke to the specific claims by the media. Okay, the media did not respond to his specific claims. They responded with generalizations. Oh, he's a Putin puppet. Oh, he's trying to whitewash violence. You know, said the people who told you the George Floyd riots that caused $2 billion worth of property damage and killed 40 people were mostly peaceful. They're concerned with whitewashing violence. Really think about how stupid that is. But that's why Hollywood finds itself in the position it's in. Okay, when the ratings come out later, I don't know, maybe they were better than last year. They can't get much worse. They were down $25 million in the past 10 years. I don't doubt they're capable of a spike here or there. But the reason nobody cares anymore is because Hollywood is focusing on the one thing nobody ever cared about, which was their political agenda. Okay, the Oscars are a night for Hollywood to stick to doing what they do best, which is cocaine and each other. Okay, once you start woking out into woke political activism, yes, you're going to lose the average set of eyeballs because they get enough of it in their everyday lives. It's the film collection that's got audiences virtue signaling. The Biden-Harris administration presents Woke Movies. The words of a president matter. All the Hollywood classics have been remade to meet today's gender-free standards. From Julia Roberts in Pretty Person. Big mistake. Big. Huge. To Marlon Brando in The Godparent. I have a sentimental weakness for my children and I spoil them as you can see. You're lying to yourself if you don't want to see Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Them. You can't handle the truth. And the animated classic Cisgender Lady and the Tramp will have all the kids at your place. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Woke Movies, the first Oscar ceremony where everybody gets a trophy. I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be rapping with Dana Perino in the next break. It's a big win for the American people. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, he was talking to my main man, Brian Kilmeade, on Brian's show, One Nation, over the weekend. And uh, they were talking about, you know, crises and everything in between, school and stuff like that. And, of course, the inevitable, when are you going to run? Here is DeSantis fielding that question from Kilmeade. It's clip 10. If not this time to run for president, would you think at some time 
it's safe to say that that would be one of your goals? I would, I would, only, I would only do stuff if I thought there was a rationale for me to accomplish things on behalf of the people. So it's all substance driven about whether I could serve or not serve in a variety of capacities. But I'll tell you, you know, the, as governor, and if you're a determined executive, you know, you can make things happen. And we've done that in Florida. When can we expect the big announcement? <laughs> Depends how good we do in this legislative session. <laughs> Oh, wow. And that's what I've been telling you all along. And believe me, that's not like any keen insight from me. He's been telling anybody that'll listen. They have a supermajority in the Florida legislature. DeSantis's big point is that his first election, he beat Andrew Gillum by less than 10,000 votes. It was 0.4 percent. Florida was very much a swing state. His second election, he won by a few million votes and and swept Latinos in Dade County and everything in between and gave them historic majorities in the state legislature. So he's positioned well, basically, to put a blueprint together for America by passing all of it in Florida first. It's going to be really, really formidable. Wrong. I don't know. I'm just telling you the Republican field is stacked. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to preview with Dana Perino when she gets here. This is my favorite part of the presidential race. You know, when it gets down to two people and they're rallying and, you know, you're going to see a Republican doing 10 events a day and somebody cutting up Biden's food for him. That's not that exciting. OK, but right now when you've got, you know, able, formidable, substance oriented people who are young and a great reflection of the country that they aim to represent, uh, it's a good time. It's actually, a, you know, it's a proud time for America. You know, it's a proud time for the Republican Party to be putting forth a guy like DeSantis, a guy like Tim Scott, a gal like Nikki Haley. I mean, certainly Trump, a guy has held the job before. Okay, has a little bit of an understanding of how to get in there and do it himself. So, you know, whatever's going on on the Democratic side, which is essentially, hey, who do we have to call racist for the next nine months? I don't find that as exciting as watching these guys fight over the right to get called a racist by the Democrats for nine months. We'll get into all of that and so much more with the great Dana Perino when we come back right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It's America's Life Coach, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, it sure is. And as a lot of you know, uh, we tweeted it and shouted it from the rooftops. I am hosting Gutfeld tonight at 11 o'clock on the Fox News channel. And uh, the people who run this place thought I should get some tips uh, from my comedy mentor, the host of uh, co-host of America's New Room, co-host of The Five. Pound for pound, the woman I still consider to be the best guest host in the history of the show. You're the bar I'm shooting at. Dana Perino is here to lay it down. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, you are, you are so helpful to me. That's why I was good. Ah, uh, well, one of these days... We're going to get the band Let's back together. Do it all together. together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. No. I'm looking forward to that tonight. It's a big deal. And and I appreciate you saying that. I'll give you the 20 bucks later. Uh, <laughs> I kid. Uh, but no, I'm excited. It's a fun, it's a really fun news cycle. And I think it started this morning when we were doing America's Newsroom. You've got like this post-Oscar hangover in the news cycle. It's not what it used to be. Right? Isn't also, it? you know what we didn't talk about? Mm-hmm. Why did they change the red carpet to a champagne carpet? What in the world? All right. I want to say this, okay? Because I haven't talked to the, about this to anybody. It really did look like they were staging the Oscars, like, to sell a home. Like yeah. they, they, they brought someone What in, was like, the idea behind that? Why I, did they do that? I don't know, other than— Is they, red offensive somehow, and I don't know I don't. Anymore? I don't think so, because they still had red curtains everywhere. 
So but weird. That, it was really weird, but I think it was one of those things where they sat down and they really calculated how to make this a more watchable ceremony, more talked about anyway. Hey, but it's what not if, the the whole the, the only thing it, that's watchable <laughs> is the red carpet. If it comes down to the carpet, you fail. The, that's the only part that's interesting is when they're walking along and you get to see the outfits and uh-huh. you get to see. You know, yeah, yeah. You get to see Hugh Grant act so excited to be there. And also, you realize that none of them can actually communicate without reading a script. Well, that all right, so thank you for saying that. So whenever we talk about, like, activism in Hollywood, the point I always come back to is I'm like, yo, you guys are really screwing up a good thing. You guys are all famous because you've hit the genetic lottery. These are, like, profoundly wonderful-looking humans. We never showed up to hear their views. We all understood that they were coming out of a teleprompter, but you just nailed it. When you watch the red carpet, you realize just how little their opinion should matter because a lot of them can't hold a conversation. Did, yeah, did, yeah, they can't. And also, but you can we repeat what we something we said on Newsroom? Yeah, yeah, of course. The most refreshing, hilarious one was Hugh Grant, <laughs> who was so honest in his answers. Like, are you excited to be here? Nah. Are you excited to see? Mm, no one. What <laughs> she, are you wearing? My suit. She goes, it was so funny because he goes, what are you wearing? My suit. And then she goes, oh, and who made it? He goes, the designer. Yeah. And she goes, well, shout out to your designer, I yeah. guess. She was trying. I did kind yeah. of feel bad for her. No, a I felt bit, bad. That was an impossible. Why did he have to be like that to her? I know. He could have done a better job because I think he's aware of what but he, he did. Is he feeling the same that other people are, that Hollywood has passed its sell-by date? There's two things in play. One is your enthusiasm for the ceremony directly correlates with what your expectations are at that year's show. Like if you're mm-hmm. nominated for something big, obviously you're there. to You're pressing the flesh. You're mm-hmm. campaigning mm-hmm. till the minute that envelope gets opened. I think in his instance, he's kind of there as a set piece yeah. and has a different level of enthusiasm. It, you know, I think the other thing is, is that it, I think it feels different than it did in the past because going to the movies before streaming – was such a common like that was something was we communal. all did yeah and so then now you don't know what people are watching at night like yeah. it could be it could be anything so there's not a groundswell of everybody watching the same thing like i'm going to vote for that movie that i left when we walked through all the movies yes. that were there and hammer said which ones have you seen or would you see we got three out of like the 14 and i'm talking about people who fly a lot yeah <laughs> Between the three of us. Do you know us. what I watch when we when I fly? <laughs> Good. South Park. Do you watch a lot of South I Park? I laugh so hard. That's yeah. funny. So my um and I re- and I love a good South Park, but I see enough of it with Lincoln Fail. He likes to watch because South Park is, if you're 14, it's fantastic. Oh, it's man. Very Let risky me tell you, I'm not 14, man. and I love it. <laughs> but <laughs> I am kidding, from Mark. Colorado. Thank you. Uh, it's it's right in your wheelhouse. Uh, I watch a fair amount of old movies. Reason, mm. The reason oh, being yeah. I don't. is, well, the reason I do is, like, I just kind of have my brain shut off, mm. and they're just there. There's a film familiarity. Mm-hmm. I've watched mm-hmm. The Apartment with Jack Lemmon, like, five times <laughs> this, this year. But Dana Perino is in studio, and the big news is not my streaming habits on Delta. Uh, the big news is the new season of everything is going to be all right. I, but are we at season three? It's season three. I think it might be the last season <laughs> of this. I think I've milked it for all it's worth. But it's pretty great. I, I get to talk to just a range of people. I just reach out and say, would you mm-hmm. like to be on the podcast? And it, some people from Fox, but a lot of people who aren't. In fact, I'm very excited this Friday. Uh-huh. My interview with Benjamin Hall will air. And oh, get out of here. He's someone. Mm-hmm. When he says that he believes everything will be okay. You better believe it. Yeah. Okay. And then, but today kicks off one with this woman named Ashley Brown. Mm -hmm. She's the founder and CEO of something called the Selfless Love Foundation. Okay. She as a baby was adopted and grew up with a loving adoptive parents. 
uh, she married a guy who was quite wealthy. He was somebody who was running the Patron tequila oh, brand. Right. Ever heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> and um, for her wedding present, one of the things that she asked for was the ability to, to help foster kids. Oh, wow. So they focus on that. And she really focuses on older foster kids because, you know, mm-hmm. what? in the, our foster kids system is not terrific. Yeah. <laughs> and it leaves a lot to be desired. And you age out at age 18. I wouldn't realize Which that. means that on the, on your 18th birthday that might, you might want to celebrate, yeah. the next day, you're on your own. Wow, that's so crazy. if you haven't found your forever family or you don't have an adoptive situation, you're out. And she said that half of those kids go homeless. Really? So that's what she wants to focus on. It's the Selfless Love Foundation. And she's a bright bundle of energy. And mm-hmm. I loved hearing about... How she, um, so her husband races mm-hmm. cars, and there was this one kid uh, that they helped. They have transitional housing. Uh-huh. He got a job at UPS. Okay. But then his goal was to be promoted to be a driver for UPS. Uh-huh. But guess what you have to know how to do? Oh, no. Let's talk Drive about Drive a stick. Yes. Right? And no one does. In and, he, and this kid didn't know how to do it. Now he's like 18, 19 years old. So she asked her husband, like, can you spend this weekend <laughs> helping him? And so they did. They were in a parking lot. Kid gets promoted. He's had the job for five years. That's a great company for him, and he's on his way in his life. Uh-huh. And she said that on Thanksgiving Day, she'll have so many text messages from all these young people that she's helped, but they need a lot of support. Uh-huh. So it's just something I feel like we kind of forget about. You, nice. don't, you don't remember the foster kids yeah. in America and also those parents who are willing or the families who are willing to take in foster kids. Yeah, it's, it's really heroic stuff, and you want to, it, it's true in the sense that they're like the unsung heroes of yes, society. Yes, they are. They truly are. Because they're doing real it's, work. That's, it, when she says it's selfless love, it, there's just nothing like it. Yeah, because you're also changing the dynamic of your own nuclear family in doing so, which yep. is very selfless. But then for these kids, I didn't know that they leave at 18, though. Yeah, that's it. 18's it. The only thing I ever knew that about, when I was growing up, there was a pop band called Menudo. I know Menudo. Okay. Yes, I, was, I was, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't just automatically link someone to Menudo. <laughs> you had a lot of options back then. It was 10 CDs for a penny. We all bought a different 10. Apparently, we bought Menudo too. Uh, but yes, you would age out of Menudo. And I didn't realize the Forster program was yeah. like that. So it's yeah. an interesting thing to highlight. And Benjamin Hall, like his story, pound for pound, is the most incredible story in this place or I think any place in yeah. the last year when you talk about resilience and his family. And, and you, know. you know, the book is so good. And it comes out tomorrow in yeah. stores. Um, it's such a page turner because even though you can see him, he's here. Yeah. It's such a page turner because you think, is he going to make it on the train? Will he no, make it on the train? It's heavy. And I've, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard him tell the story and it's, it's and really And some humbling. of the other things, the other thing I like about his book is uh-huh. that the early stories of him as a war correspondent yeah. are fantastic. He used to get up to some crazy stuff. That's, it's nuts. I want to go I want to go toe-to-toe with him and talk war and taxi driving. I know he has me in the end, but we've had, we had a couple of friends. Uh, yes, we're okay, going to get good. him on the book. But we've had, you know, we've had some standoffs on the Lower East Side <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of my shift. I won't get into it. We're talking to Dana, Dana Perino. Uh, the new season. It's season three of Everything mm-hmm. is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is streaming anywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, there's going to be a quiz. Uh, one thing. <laughs> that I think has, was interesting over the weekend, okay? There's a big political scuttlebutt. I just wanted to ask you this. You guys okay. had a DeSantis on last week. We're getting talk that Tim Scott is getting in this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting next couple of months in that we're going to start out with a decent-sized field, and I really don't know what to expect other than a really good show. Are you kind of excited for oh, this Oh, yeah, stage? I like this time of yes. year, right? This is my – this is the – and I love being an observer. Yes, I'm not supporting anybody. No, no I way. I just sit here and I report the news and I analyze and I think about it. I, I do think that Tim Scott's making all the motions that mm-hmm. he's going to get into well, the race. 
And I think, but I do feel, Jimmy, that a lot of people look back to 2015 and think, if you're a Republican voter, you really don't want 18 candidates. No. You it's, don't want no. 18, okay? It's a You'd like fight. a nice handful to choose yeah. from. Ideally. Well, the reason I brought up Tim Scott to get you there um, is because Tim Scott on this show has famously declared on repeat basis that Rocky Three is the best movie of the 80s. It's the mm-hmm. best Rocky, best movie of the mm-hmm. 80s. Now, mm-hmm. you, you're talking about a decade with, like, E.T. Mm-hmm. You know, things yeah. went on in the 80s. Back yeah. to the Future, maybe even Pee-wee's Big Adventure for this yeah. audience. We love it a lot. Uh, is Rocky Three the kind of opposition research that could sink a Tim Scott? That's really good. And I, the truth is I never watched Rocky Three. So Already? So he, he kind of lost Perino, whether he, he realizes it or not. <laughs> Get the Scott team on the phone, I mean, Mikey. Up our the, price. Wasn't The Breakfast Club in There's the a lot 80s? of good movies. And... Now, Revenge of the Nerds. Fantastic film. Did Grease come out in the 90s? In I the think 80s? you got a 79 on Grease, if I'm correct. But, I mean, understand, the movies that, yeah, the movies that we're talking about, okay, are iconic parts. Why did he say Rocky Three? Did he have a good reason? Well, yeah, here it is. And it's, it does overlap with his story really well. In, this, in that summer... He was working uh, at a movie theater. Oh, it was yes, like his I first job, his and you book. watch it a billion yeah. times, yeah. and you you know, and it was kind of when he learned self sufficiency. So there's like a little bit of an emotional tie-in. But the point is, we have been negotiating with him over destroying that tape for like a year and a half now, and we went from "I'll give you anything for that tape" to now he's back on trying to stand by it because there's some <laughs> nostalgia for Mr. T who's in the film, okay. and you is kind of like my mentor. You advise me on a lot. Do I stand my ground with the Scott? Because if he gets in, there's money involved. I think we got money coming. You stick, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right, Jenny Fela. Dana Perino said so. Yeah, we got absolutely. That. Just like bet the house. You're fine. We can tank Gutfeld tonight because we got that Scott money coming in for this <laughs> Rocky Three campaign. Did you see how much money? I mean, Tim Scott has a lot of money in his yes, campaign. Yes, he does. And I, I don't know if you, are in a, if, if you are, if your bet would be a legit campaign expenditure but it could be I mean, we, could, we could make the case <laughs> we could buy it out this is right up here with our buffalo wild wild wings debate we had on newsroom today yeah i mean okay so this guy is suing <laughs> buffalo wild wings because he says that the in the boneless buffalo wings uh-huh. is not actually wing meat well mm-hmm. no one thought it was yeah and that's the reason i like it that's the reason <laughs> i order it i don't want wing meat i don't want bones i want the good white meat uh-huh. chicken with a little bit of coating. Thank you. And the buffalo sauce. Yeah. That's why I'm there. Well, anytime you walk into a place, Dana, and a shout out to Buffalo Wild Wings, anytime you walk into a place that has 77 sauce options, mm-hmm. you realize the chicken is not the star per se. <laughs> That's okay. okay. They're telling you. It's like when I go see the McCartney these days, there's 23 guys blending yeah, their no, harmonies. Yeah. I realize his voice is no longer That's the so show. That's so interesting. Yeah. Have, have you seen the move to have cauliflower? Boneless wings. Yeah, I can't get behind that. I'm curious, mm-hmm. both because, because again, I don't care about the yeah the uh, cauliflower. Uh-huh. I want the buffalo sauce. Well, well, this is what I think is interesting. Okay, really quick because it's Halloween. And what I mean by that is there, well, it's cauliflower, it's healthy, it's vegan. It's not healthier because once you batter it and deep yeah, fry it, it's, true. it's so negligible. It's they true. did this to Chick-fil-A. And it's should like, I just not... spoon the buffalo sauce into my mouth Thank directly? You. you should from here, from here on in just order a straw, okay, and just enjoy the sauce. Yeah, I like that sauce. Thank you. Well, if you guys get down to Buffalo Wild Wings tonight, listen uh, to everything. It's going to be all right. Uh, with or without the breast meat or the wing meat, you're going to be fine. you got a great podcast. you got Gutfeld at 11. Uh, thanks for this, Dana Perino. Yeah, fail exclamation point. Don't forget it. It's going one down. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back.
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And you are damn right. There's going to be a comedy showdown. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. I don't know that it'll be at 3 o'clock. It will be at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time as your radio buddy tonight is filling in for Greg Gutfeld on the highest rated late night show in America. Now, in addition to shameless self-promotion, the one thing I always give you for your investment of time is I give you a little insight into what's going on in my career that other people don't necessarily have. Like I've said that from word one. When this show launched, it launched here at Fox News Studios for about five days. Then the lockdowns hit. Fauci said we had to put on a mask, then take off a mask, but we all had to go home. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. A lot of people feel that way, and I think uh, <laughs> I think time has shown Lincoln's statement to be true. Uh, but the point is, from the minute this show launched, I was trapped in my house with my family, giving you a lot more access to what it was like to be me and to be hosting this show than I think you would get from a traditional nationally syndicated talk show. So a lot of times you heard about what I was dealing with with my wife, you know, as we were all locked in the house and she was trying to get me to stop drinking. It was never really drinking. My wife was always trying to get me to stop eating. If we're going to be honest, the lockdowns, I got a little carried away with the fork and knife. I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> Pizza. But the point is, uh, you were there. You were riding along with me, Jenny, and our lousy kid. Shut your mouth. But again, Okay, as this, whatever this career is, has grown into whatever this career has become, those of you who have been with me from word one understand that the whole hook of our show and the reason it's gained the ground that it has is not because I'm the star in any sense of the word. It's because we're the star. It's because we've built this shared thing where everybody has a little voice in the huddle. We don't always agree. A lot of times you guys will call in and make fun of me or heckle me at comedy shows or anything in between. And in return, because you're kind of a radio shareholder, over on the TV side, my side hustle, I'm always willing to give you a little bit more than I probably should. You know, I'll tell you something that happened on the set of a program or, you know, we're down in D.C. at the White House Correspondence Dinner and ran into Jen Psaki, and here's what happened. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. Whatever. The point is, if it's going on in my life, you guys usually know about it. So the one thing I would give you tonight is if you're going to watch Gutfeld, uh, something you know that you won't see anywhere else on TV or on social media, is, of course, I do have to write an opening monologue. Me, with my community college education, have to write a screed to address the whole entire world. This could be a problem. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but it, you know, kind of caters to my background in stand-up, and all I'm going to tell you is what I'm doing tonight. There is a theme. The theme is unity, because I do this on the show all the time. I always say, you know, uh, the joke of the time we happen to be living in is we've gotten so crazy fighting for political power that we've kind of lost track of the fact that we're all supposed to be teammates. And one of the things that allowed us to be teammates in my youth was common culture. We had places we could go and put our political differences aside and have, a you know, a couple of laughs if we were watching late night or watch a couple of great plays if we were watching sports or just kind of take our mind off of everything if we were watching movies. That stuff doesn't happen anymore because oftentimes late night comedy is a partisan lecture masquerading as comedy, you know, activists masquerading as comedians. If you're talking about Jimmy Kimmel or somebody like, heaven forbid, Seth Meyers, you know, Stephen Colbert, forget about it. I don't, know, I don't even know what you count that as. That is a group therapy session for self-hating white people who live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. That's what Colbert 
bearers. It's you tune in for an hour a night to get told white people are awful, and then you, a white person, go up to your $7,500 a month studio apartment, stick your head in the bathtub, and scream. Because ah! you hate yourself. But tonight, I am throwing a bone to even you, the self-hating liberal, and that I'll just be focusing on a 20,000-foot view of America and how one or two simple tweaks might make everybody's life easier. Whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian, or anything in between, I will try to give us an hour of common culture. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? So there it is. It is the Gutfeld Show tonight at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It is your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, doing the damn thing. Molly Hemingway is in the house. Kat Timph is in the house. Chadwick Moore is in the house. And my homegirl, Allie Breen, making her Gutfeld debut. It's going to be a banger. You better be there. Until then, this show is over. Pay up and get out. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. We don't care. All I ever ask is that you don't be a... I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.